You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on tonight's show I'm out and about visiting the Kingdom of Kerry and enjoying visits to Listowel and Tralee. In Listowel I meet Flowgas Ambassador Lizzie Lyons at her cafe, Lizzie's Little Kitchen, where she'll be tantalising our taste buds with a menu of healthy and nutritious dishes that are perfect for beating the January blues without heaving on the pounds. And my visit to Tralee takes me to the little cheese shop where I sit down with cheesemaker Maya Bourgeois for a chat. And it might be called the little cheese shop, but there's nothing small about the range of delicious cheeses on display there. And finally, our last guest this evening is Cathy Curran from the National Dairy Council. And Cathy will be telling us about a dairy-inspired contest to celebrate the Taste of France, which is open to culinary students in Ireland and in France also. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste, you can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, we're going to hear from Lizzie Lyons. The Listowel Natives business has been going from strength to strength since she returned from London. She left behind a job that involved catering for stars such as Lionel Richie. She was the catering manager with Universal Music. How exciting does that sound? And Lizzie started selling her wares at her local market in the winter of 2014. And during the summer season, she always has a pop-up in Ballybunion, which is one of Harry's most popular seaside destinations and she also has a permanent fixture now in her hometown of Listowel. She has a busy 2018 ahead of her continuing her cookery slot on TV3's Sunday AM and as a flow gas ambassador she has a mobile demo kitchen at her disposal which she takes out on the road to encourage people to cook healthy homemade dishes from scratch. I called to see her last week and to catch up on her plans for this year. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Happy New Year to you, Lizzie. Many happy returns, Sharon. I'd say you're flat out busy here in the cafe in Listowel with all your nutritious, tasty, healthy food. Yeah, we've had a busy start to January. Um, we've been very busy. People are kick-starting their new year healthy and um, they're very much conscious about what they're eating. Uh, so we've introduced another couple of uh, new healthy options onto the menu. Uh, we change them weekly. So today now we have a lovely Persian stew and we've done it with some saffron and cinnamon. Um, we've bolted up with some lentils, so lots of protein in there. And we're serving it with some dill yogurt and some toasted sunflower seeds. So we're always recreating new dishes and introducing new ideas and 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 new ingredients into the menu and that's really important and people really like that and they really appreciate it when you put the effort in so it's been a very very busy start to January for us and we've exciting exciting times ahead of us in 2018. I think one of the USPs here in the cafe is that you have the old favourites there like the seafood chowder is on regularly and the different salads but you always have a few different surprises there. Yeah we do we have probably 
two or three surprises every week. Um, we always have our salad of the day. Um, we do that with roasted sweet potato and beetroot. They're prepped every morning fresh. A little bit of feta cheese and some candied nuts and really nice mixed leaves. But today we have on a lovely falafel salad. So we have mini falafels and we're doing that um, vegan. And I've made a really, really lovely um, avocado and a pomegranate uh, dressing with it it's a vegan dish so it's dairy free and really good for those as well who want to be full want to be a good full so loads of protein in the chickpea there again and again um, dairy free and gluten free so we have that on and we have lovely brisket of beef which I cooked up on TV3 during the year and uh, we serve that in a really nice brioche bun with some seared pineapple and O'Brien's cheddar cheese and we do it with our own apple slaw on the side so that's another one on today and just to be really 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 healthy and give it a really good kickstart we started our smoothies Oh, wow. Okay. Tell us what's in your smoothies. Um, So we have four different types. Um, We're using raw beetroot, raw celery, raw carrot, raw apple. Um, We're doing a shot of spirulina on the side with it. So you can add your spirulina into it just to um, balance the pH in your body. Spirulina is great for that. We have turmeric. You can add a little um, shot of turmeric into it, again, just for information and great for this time of year. We've lots of ginger in there as well with this horrible, nasty Aussie flu going around. Another way to kill all the germs inside. And um, we're doing those dairy-free. Um, we're adding some coconut yogurt into it. And obviously for those who want a bit of dairy and another little bit of protein, we're using some Glenisk natural yogurt. So they're really nice and really good way to start the year. And uh, by God, they keep you full because I've had a couple. You're very vegetarian friendly and vegan friendly and dairy free friendly and lactose intolerant. Like people that who have dietary, special dietary requirements are always very welcome here. Yeah, exceptionally. Yeah, very much so because I experienced it during the summer myself. I unfortunately have um, RA and I really needed to look after myself so for three months I was dairy and gluten and um, meat free so I was a vegan for three months um, until I regained strength and I my health came around again so I was so I'm so aware of how difficult it is to eat out um, if you have all those intolerances and I'm so aware of people who do have them what they go through when they have them because I've had it myself um, so I would always um, go outside the box and I would always go that extra mile to cater for people um, who've taken the time to come and visit us in the stroll and um, are spending their money with us um, it's a great honour to, to look after people and you know to provide a service people are there to, to come and meet you to eat in your restaurant and the least we can do is do our very very best to look after them Well let's talk a bit about suppliers because you mentioned O'Brien's cheese there and you're very much about supporting local suppliers Yeah I suppose well where I started I started in the stroll farmers market and I was very much supported by local people so I think um, in turn it's always been one of my key um, ethos in the business is to support locally as much as I can. Uh, people in Kerry, in North Kerry, in Listowel, Ballybunion have been very, very good to me and for that I'll never forget it. So I use as much local products products as possible. So um, I have Zebby Lawler, he lives up in um, Drummond Hill and he grows the most beautiful organic vegetables and beautiful mixed greens. So they'll be coming around again in April. He does some lovely golden beetroot and uh, red beetroot. Um, We use O'Brien's cheese of course. Um, We get our 
free range eggs from Tournafulla. They're absolutely beautiful. They look like little clouds when you poach them. Um, our sausage meat comes from Rigney's farm down in Currachase and I had the good fortune of meeting Caroline when I did the farmer's market and uh, she's a good friend and her integrity with food and her product is second to none so that's what I always look for um, Aidan in the farmer's market he is from Castle Gregory so we stock his beetroot and carrot juices as well and um, I would always go down there on a Friday to, to get his beautiful Castle Gregory carrots and uh, when you pick them up the sand is falling off and they're the most beautiful carrots that you would ever taste and they're beautiful when they're roasted or even in a soup or in a salad and um, I remember I did this piece for RTE in in Dublin and it was all about healthy eating and educating children on where vegetables came from and how how they were grown and you know how good they are for us and I I went to the market on the Friday I was going up on the Sunday or Monday and I went to the, to the market and I said hey and keep me the dirtiest carrots that you have don't wash them because I need them so I brought them up to Dublin and you'd be amazed like the kids didn't know how carrots were grown and they were absolutely mesmerised by the sand falling off the carrots and I had the opportunity to explain to them that the carrots were grown in Ireland and they were grown in Kerry and they were grown near the beach and this is why the sand is on them and you know it's really nice it's lovely to be able to educate people and um, to, to support our own and to support Irish and to support Kerry. You're a bit of a TV personality now with your RT appearances there and you're on Sunday AM every month that's on TV3 Yeah it's nearly two years now it's coming up to, to TV3 what a brilliant opportunity and experience it's been I've made great old buddies up there they're exceptionally good to me and they look after me when I go up and they're very kind to me and um, I really enjoy it um, the first couple of times of course the legs were knocking underneath the table just as well people couldn't see it because they were knocking um, but now I'm fairly comfortable and confident in what I'm doing and you know I, I really enjoy it and uh, it makes it so much easier because the people up there are so nice but it's a fantastic opportunity and a great platform for me and um, I'm very grateful to have it and uh, grateful for the opportunity and the experience. There's one particular presenter there in Sunday AM who is also a Hollywood actor, Mr Simon Delaney and he was down in Listowel last year for the food festival and the two of you opened it together. You were a bit of a double act up in your flow gas demo kitchen. Yeah, that's right. We landed on with the flow gas and Simon landed down from Dublin and we had a great night and we opened the food fair, the Listowel food fair together. Um, he He's, he's a good friend and um, he's a really good person and I think we're very much alike. <laughs> Mad for the crack and, um, you know, uh, I suppose we enjoy food as well. We don't take we don't think, take things too seriously. If you have a good product and you know what to do with your food, then, you know, you're, uh, you're on a winning street and uh, Simon is very much into his food and, and has great interest in it and has great interest when you go to Dublin and you tell him what you're cooking and sure he's always mad to get an old taste. Um, but yeah, we've struck up a bit of a, an, an alliance, will we say, and um, we're delighted uh, he'll be coming down um, during the year to do a little event here in Lizzie's Little Kitchen and we're really looking forward to it and uh, it'll be a bit of, I suppose, a bit of theatrics, food theatrics, I would say, between the two of us. But um, yeah, he's he's great to bounce off and um, he, he's, a good, he's a good guy. And he has a cookbook out 
Will you get the name right now? Because if he's listening, he won't be happy if you don't get it right. <laughs> I think it might be called Simple Simon. <laughs> no, it's definitely Simply Simon's The Diner's Cookbook. <laughs> That's right. I'm just uh, blackguarding. Um, I, I I like to have the old dig at him. But yeah, it's a lovely little cookbook. It's based on American dining and based on when he was over in, in America working. And he said that he would work all hours of the morning and the diner was the place, the one place that he could go where he knew he would he'd be able to get food because he was finishing it all hours of the morning and uh, he was all over the place so he really enjoyed that food and that's where he took his inspiration from to write this book but it's a lovely book and he has his own his own twist on things his own Irish twist on things and uh, when he comes down um, I'm going to have him with a little cravat and a blue shirt on him doing the whole American dining experience. I hope he's listening to hear that. I hope so too. <laughs> well, one of the things that he said at the opening night of the Listowel Food Fair was about your sausage rolls, which you make with Caroline Rigney's um, pork sausage meat. And he said that every doctor should be prescribing them. He just loves them. <laughs> yeah, they really, they really enjoy them above, as does everyone that comes in here. But I suppose it's a, a treat for them when you land up on a Sunday morning and particularly during the winter and you're chomping into a nice puff pastry sausage roll with caramelized red onion chutney and some really nice little seeds on top and a little bit of a little bit of sea salt so I was trying to do an MNS ad there but it didn't work Marks and Spencer's it's not just a sausage roll it's Lizzie's little sausage roll yeah he absolutely adores those he does and the the cookery demos you're doing a lot of those now you're getting out and about because you have you're a flow gas ambassador so they have given you a demo kitchen a mobile demo kitchen yeah, so I'm delighted to be a Flow Gas Ambassador and they've been very good in providing me with a beautiful demo kit and so I can go out on the road and do some demos and some lovely recipe booklets as well. So the next one is in Listow Library. Um, I'm doing that on the 14th of January and I'll be doing it in the evening and um, I'll just be demoing some really nice healthy easy to cook dishes that are great for this time of year with the flus and with all our little nasty bugs going around and um, then I am in Ballybunion on the 14th of February in the library out there so it's a whole um, new concept that uh, Kerry County Council have initiated and it's to promote healthy eating and healthy cooking and I'm delighted to be part of it it's really it's a great honour because you had a pop-up out in Ballybunion whenever you, you were in the market before you had your permanent place here in Listowel and there was, there was a great grow for your food out in Ballybunion. Yeah, we did. Um, we still we still have Ballybunion. We reopened it in April. Uh, we did very well out there for the last two years. We're delighted to, to be up and running again in April and there was a great grow for it and you know people appreciate when you put the effort in and you have integrity about what you're putting out and um, yeah, we did very well in Ballybunion bunion and it was a brilliant start to our little business and uh, um, onwards and upwards and just to finish up then the supper clubs that you know you're doing a special event with Simon Delaney Simon Delaney you started supper clubs last year so every month you open on a Saturday night and depending on the time of year it could be tapas for example yeah so um, for the winter months now um, we are doing a supper club so the food changes slightly you know it's um, it's far more comforting and warming and a bit more substantial because we need a bit substantial for the cold that's around at the moment and the whole supper experience is about 
thinking about being at home with your family and your friends and sitting down and enjoying wine and beautiful dinner but not having the hassle of making it so it's a very relaxed environment with some lovely live musicians in the background they pick some really nice jazz music soothing so you can just envisage it in your head the lights are low and we've lovely candles and we have our winter settings on and um, the feedback from it has been absolutely amazing they fill up within two hours or maybe three hours of going out we promote them on Facebook and internally in the restaurants um, so they are they're a really great dining experience and um, it's it's really nice um, a, a lovely lovely evening to be part of even though I'm working I still enjoy it so much the music and I stand at the kitchen and I look out and I go wow I would love to be sitting down in the middle of that and enjoying it because it is a different experience and I think we as restauranteurs and as catering people we should always be thinking outside the box we should always be going that extra mile for our customers we should always be thinking on our feet and recreating ourselves and giving back to the customers giving them a new experience a new dining experience a new food experience when people come in and they say that they would never have looked at roasted buckwheat or pomegranate molasses in their life before they came in it's it's really really nice and you feel like you're engaging with your customer and you're 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 teaching them you're you're letting them enjoy new food a new experience and um that's why i absolutely share and love what i do and you can tell by the way you talk about it the passion is there in your voice and if people want to find out more about the restaurant and the different events where's the best place for them to go all our information um, is up on um, our Facebook and our Instagram posts. Um, we upda- I update them on a daily basis with new um, recipes and new menus that are on in the restaurant. And we're currently in the process of um, designing a website so that we get further information on that. And we'll be able to update that as well on a weekly basis. Um, all of that is in tow. And as soon as the website is up and running, I will have all the information up on Facebook. And you'll let me know. And as sure as eggs are eggs, Sharon, I will let you know. Fantastic. Listen, thanks so much for talking to me and continued success in 2018. Thanks very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, Lizzie Lyons from Lizzie's Little Kitchen in Listowel, County Kerry, was telling us about her plans for 2018. And if you're interested in the Simply Simons pop-up supper night Lizzie was talking about, that's on later this month on Saturday the 27th of January. And hopefully it won't be too late a night for Lizzie and Simon because they're both on Sunday a.m. the following morning at 9 a.m. sharp. And that's on TV3, so be sure to tune in to see what Lizzie is cooking up that morning and also how she looks after a rather late night, I would imagine. So if you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock. And the podcasts, they're available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website, which was voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. 
Still to come tonight, Cathy Curran from the National Dairy Council will join us to tell us about a dairy-inspired contest to celebrate the Taste of France, which is open to culinary students in Ireland and in France also. But before that, it's time to return to County Kerry, and this time we're off to Tralee. Maya Beaujoin is a German cheesemaker who moved to Ireland many years ago and she has her little cheese shop in Dingle and as well as a second outlet in Tralee which she opened last year. I called to see her there to find out more about how a German cheesemaker ends up in Ireland and the stories behind her delicious range of cheeses. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Maya, it's lovely to visit you here today in your cheese shop in Tralee. This is your second shop you've won in Dingle as well. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's in Dingle in Grace Lane and it's about seven years old now. Now, people will be saying it's not a Kerry accent. Where are you from originally? I'm from the Black Forest in Germany. So what brought you to Ireland? My family, the, the land, the people, Kerry especially and the opportunity to grow my business here, to work as what I am. And you were an accomplished cheesemaker before you came to Ireland. So tell us when you started to make cheese in Germany. In Germany, um, it was actually in Italy. I made cheese when I was 16 and then stayed there for a couple of months, went to Germany. Again, mostly Black Forest because there's loads of farms. And in the 80s, there were loads of organic farms who started making their own cheese and have little um, farm shops. And I stayed there for seven years and then moved more into the middle of Germany, made a different type, made actually that type I make here now, with the, which is the seaweed cheese, a semi-hard type with carrot juice. Stayed there a couple of years and then went a lot to the Alps. There you work when the snow melts and you leave when the snow comes and you make cheese like people made 200 years ago with only fire, no electricity, you milk the cows by hand and you make cheese in a big And you mentioned carrot juice there. Yeah. So tell us about carrot juice as an ingredient for cheese. Um, carrot juice is actually quite interesting ingredients because you would think it makes the cheese sweet, but it doesn't. It makes the cheese quite strong and pungent because it has the sugar inside and the fermentation needs the sugar. And so as more sugar is in the milk or in the added, in this case, carrot juice, it makes the cheese very strong and smelly and it gives a beautiful orange flavour. And then seaweed is becoming more more and more popular now, but you started making the seaweed cheese 20 years ago. Yeah. So was the market there for it at the time? Was it a small market? Have you seen a big growth in that? It was a tiny market um, generally for cheese because cheese is not what an Irish person has as a basic um, ingredient in the fridge. It's more like a luxurious food unless it's maybe a, a cheddar from the supermarket. Um, so it was very tiny and it was a lot to explain and to give tasters and um, it was a very slow process but people were interested and they liked the idea of the seaweed because they could, it, you know, they, um, it called memories in them and they, um, also older people remember to eat it and people in my age remember their grandmother had it and yeah, so it, it, it was easy enough going. 
people liked it. And of course, there's huge health benefits to seaweed yeah. that we're hearing more and more about now. Mm-hmm. The, the good thing in seaweed as well is I've always said to people who buy the cheese that seaweed also helps to cut down fat. So if you eat a full fat cheese and you have the seaweed right in there, it's not bad. That's a good tip. Yeah. That is good to know, yeah. definitely. Now, you have an array of cheese in the shop. Um, you make a lot of them yourselves, but you also import some cheese. Mm-hmm. I do import cheese. Um, I already started on the farmer's markets um, from Paris, and they sell. They have all the continental cheeses, which I started buying in for the Irish people. Um, there is um, like from Italy, Spain, Germany, Switzerland, France a lot. All those lovely goats cheeses um, I buy in. Yeah. And we mustn't forget the young buck from Northern Ireland. Yes, but there, yeah, yeah. When did you first come across it? Um, we actually had a, a raw milk meeting in Dublin a couple of years ago, and he, I think he was already two, uh, two years on the market, and I never heard of him, and I had the shop already, and uh, he was sitting with me on the table, and I was always looking to this very engaged young person and he was into the raw milk cheese making and then I asked him what cheese he makes and he told me and he sent me a sample and it's it's extremely good it's super delicious it's the hit in Dingle in the Dingle shop or down here in in Chile it's people love it and you're part of the raw milk movement yeah tell us about that um, that is from the slow food movement, um, which started years and years back in Italy. And uh, it's called Slow Food. And we have a raw milk procedure in Ireland where all the people who make raw milk cheese are included. And they, you, you give in your recipe. It's kind of kept in case there could be a problem with the European Union or with the government that they say you're not allowed to make this and this anymore, you're not allowed to make raw milk cheese. You kind of protect it. And if it should be difficult for each cheese maker to um, fight it through, you can go back to those raw milk um, slow food people and they have uh, a big knowledge and um, they they, they can help you. Because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about raw milk and about how you can use it Mm. and maybe why you should use it and why you shouldn't use it. Mm-hmm. So there's an, edu- an education aspect to it. Yeah. Well, the, um, the education is more into the opposite direction that people are educated not to eat it. Um, but the fact is, if you make cheese from raw milk, you increase the calcium, you don't kill all the good bacterials. Um, it's much better for you. It's uh, there's all the goodies for your guts in there. Um, of course, everything has to be um, taken in in uh, moderation. You know, not too much, but it's definitely much better for you because the um, if you pasteurize or homogenize the milk, it's dead. It's a dead product, and you have to add everything, and that doesn't do anything for your body. It's like eating the white flour. There's nothing in. All the cheese that you make, is it made using raw milk? Yeah, only. Yeah. Only raw milk. If they wouldn't let me, I would I would stop making cheese. And you're sourcing that from Kerry? Yeah. I have one supplier. He is um, near Dingle, not more than an hour away. There's also certain rules that you, when you buy your milk from a different, or from the outside, not from your own milk, then 
you shouldn't drive longer than an hour. And yeah, and he's um, Colin Murphy, who also supplies the um, Murphy's ice cream. He's a very open, young, very kind farmer who is enjoying what he's doing, and he's kind of proud that he supplies those food makers. I can see maker. from the smile on your face that you obviously get on really well with him, that um, yeah. he's somebody that you like dealing with and collaborating with. Yeah, he, he, I had, a, I had a, I'd say, three or four um, suppliers during those 20 years, and he definitely is a farmer who is really open, and I can go at six o'clock in the morning to his farm when I pick up the milk, and I can help him milking the cows. He's, which I really love because then you really have made the whole process. You have milked the cow, you brought the milk home, you made the cheese, you put it in the store, you ripen it and you sell it. And it's just a really round, beautiful thing. And I'm, I was always very grateful that he let me do it and was so open. Which of your cheeses are the best sellers, which are the most popular with the customers? It's the one with the seaweed. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Is, yeah. Because it was for a long time the only seaweed cheese in Ireland and especially tourists, they find it very cool and yummy and it's just something Irish for them, you know. And do you just sell in the shops in Tralee and Dingle or do you sell to the retailers? Do you do any export? Uh, I export, I don't do it all anymore. I sell a little bit to Sheridan's cheesemongers and to Silke Crop, who does the Kolegi cheese. She's on the Temple Bar market, has a stall there and other markets. She's buying my cheese, and sometimes um, there's another cheese stall in McCroom, Kenmare. In the high season, if I have enough cheese, they um, take some. But that's about it. And then there's a few hotels in, Ken- in Kilani and Dingle who take the cheese as well. Is it quite labour-intensive to make it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the cheese is made, and it doesn't matter if you have a thousand liter or a hundred. It's it takes four or five hours. Then the cheese is in the molds, and then you need to mature it, and that depends what type of cheese you make. The one with the seaweed takes then at least um, two to three months. It's at its best at six months. So it takes a long time. You need to be patient, and you need to invest before you get something back. And um, is it quite a cathartic process? Because even the way you're talking about it, you're very zen when you're talking about it, about being patient and taking your time. It's not for somebody that's very impatient and then go, go, go. No, it's not. You have to. I mean, you go there, you go in there the first two, um, yeah, first month every day and wash the cheeses with, um, with with a special brine to let the rind grow. Um. Not many people do that because it's um, time-consuming and also if you have a lot of cheese, it's hard work. But it's worth it because it gives the cheese the unique flavor. And um, yeah, and then you need, as I said, sometimes six months. You have to just go in once a week, wash your cheeses and just let them be. Make sure it's the right temperature and the right humidity and and then wait, and then you can sell it. Do you miss going to the markets now that you have the two shops? Not at all. <laughs> no. No, sometimes in, in the high season when there's a big bus out there and there's loads of tourists and it's nice weather and it's nice to be in the market. It's like a family. But um, I, have, I prefer to be in the shop 
um, sometimes my kids do the markets and sometimes I join them but um, no I find it too hard work you have to pack up and set up your stall then you sell to the people and you're tired then you have to pack in and that's not all then you come home and you have to pack it all out and in its place it's a long day I prefer to be in the shops it's easier and that's not even taking the weather into exactly. account <laughs> yeah. yeah you have the cafe here in Tralee then as well which is lovely tell us about the menu that you have for the cafe um, in the cafe um, we have because we do have um, Mana the organic store next door I um, do three two to three salads every day fresh one with grains and uh, roasted vegetables and nuts and fruits and then we have always a fresh one a carrot or a slaw or something completely different um, like a beetroot or raw beetroot or a fennel salad there is so many variations endless and then we do one soup a day now in winter there is mostly some pulses in there to have something substantial and uh, beside that people can choose um, from the cheese counter sandwiches from the antipasti part, they can have um, meat boards, cheese boards. And then we do coffees. We do turmeric latte, matcha latte, um, dandula and coffee. All those things you don't really get anywhere. And do you find it challenging then dividing your time between the two shops and the manufacturing process? Yes, I find it very challenging. Um, I knew that it will be nearly impossible. So last year I made hardly as no cheese myself. I kind of enjoyed that as well after 20 years to have a little break. And I have um, another cheesemaker in Kerry who made um, the missing amount for me so that I could breathe a little bit and let the shop, especially here in Trudy, grow. Um, but my goal is to have this all running and go back to cheese making. I do miss it by now. But it's good to have the options of collaboration with other cheesemakers. Yeah. So what's your vision now for the business in the next five to ten years? You've said there about you want to spend more time cheesemaking. Do you want to develop the business to have more outlets? Do you want to start exporting more? Where do you see it going? Uh, no, I would like... No, not at all. I would, um, I would like that the shops run themselves and that I can go back cheesemaking not in a huge um, amount, like roughly the one I made before. And because with those two shops, I created two very good customers for myself. I sell a lot, a lot of cheese in Dingle in the summer. And maybe go back to the markets once a week, not really export and um, also supply more. The people I supply already, like in Dublin, Sheridan's and, and yeah, that's... That's kind of my goal. And we have also um, maybe the idea to set up a cooking school where we live, a cheese-making school, and my husband is doing the um, charcuterie. French charcuterie means he uses everything of the animal, and he would like to teach that to people as well. And we want to set up something at our place because it's a beautiful five minutes from the beach, right in the middle of Chile and Dingle. That's kind of our vision. And having been the first Supreme Champion of the Blossnair and Irish Food Awards in 2007, do you regularly enter awards or do you see yourself entering more awards? 
The Blasna was my last award I entered. Your first and last. <laughs> yeah. Before I entered a lot, I entered the cheese awards in, in London and I made the best there, the best Irish cheese. Then I got the trophy in the Irish cheese awards in Listowel. That was also the first one. And um, I kind of had, I, because I didn't really use it as a marketing tool for me, it was more some, some fun for myself. I didn't. I stopped um, joining the awards. But if I'm more back to cheese making, I, I think I probably go for it again. Well, congratulations on your success today, and an absolutely fabulous array of cheese down there and salads and everything. So I'm going to go and have a little look now and treat myself to something for lunch. And thanks very much for talking to me today. Thank you. You're listening to the best possible taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie, voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, we were enjoying hearing from cheesemaker Maya, who owns the little cheese shop in Dingle and Tralee and is an award-winning cheesemaker. And earlier in the programme, Lizzie Lyons, founder of Lizzie's Little Kitchen in Listowel, shared her plans for 2018. Two very hardworking and inspirational ladies, I'm sure you will agree. And if you're just tuning in and you want to catch up on those interviews on best possible taste, it is on West Limerick 102 FM repeat it on Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock and the podcasts they're available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app and it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine now, time for the final interview of this evening, and it's with Cathy Curran from the National Dairy Council. Cathy contacted me recently to tell me about a dairy-inspired competition for culinary students to celebrate the taste of France. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Cathy, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. Thanks so much for joining us. We're very interested in finding out more about this new competition that you have and you're collaborating with the French Embassy. Yes, Sharon. So basically, we were approached uh, towards the end of last year by the French Embassy in Dublin, along with Dublin Institute of Technology um, and the School of Culinary Arts there. Um, to launch a competition in Ireland to celebrate uh, Good France or Good de France, which is um, an event held every year um, to highlight the excellence of French cuisine all around the world. So on the 21st of March every year uh, for the last three years, they celebrate, I suppose, in restaurants and um, cafes and bars across, I think it's 2,500 premises around the world, French cuisine. So they really celebrate, I suppose, the excellence and deliciousness and reputation of French cuisine. And to celebrate this in Ireland, we are launching a competition for culinary students in Ireland and France, so full-time students taking a culinary arts degree, to create a menu um, that includes dairy as the main ingredient so that each course of the menu um, showcases and, and celebrates Irish and French dairy produce um, in, in, in the dish. And the students will be invited to send their menus in to us before the 18th of February. And then the judging panel will look at these um, menus and decide who should be finalists, who will attend a cook-off in DIT Colbrewer Street on the 21st of March, the Good France Day. 
So in Dublin, we have um, a very exciting judging panel of um, Ross Lewis, who is the chef proprietor of Chapter One Michelin Star in Dublin. We have Patrick Gilbo um, himself as a judge. I, I know a lot of people know he's sort of the most well-known French, I suppose, chef in Dublin, and he owns cha- uh, uh, restaurant Patrick Gilbo, which is um, in the Marion Hotel in Dublin. And then we have the French ambassador, Stéphane Cousin, who's the current acting French ambassador to Ireland, and myself. So we're the judging panel um, for the menus that will come in from the Irish students. And then we're working with the French Dairy Council on an ongoing basis with a very good relationship with them. And they will in turn have a conversation with the French culinary students and they will have a judging panel in, in Paris on their side. And then the French students will come to Ireland for the cook-off on the 21st of March where they'll, they'll cook the sort of finalist menus. And then from there, we'll pick the winners um, of, of the um, of the competition. And the prizes are very exciting. The prizes we're offering um, to the winners, the two top winners, are a week-long stage um, for each winner in Chapter 1 for one week in Dublin and Patrick Gilbo, restaurant Patrick Gilbo. So each culinary student winner will get to spend a week in each of these restaurants. Um, and then the Irish winner will get to go to Paris and have a stage. So the stage basically means a free work experience. You're unpaid. And a stage is very popular with chefs actually all over the world where they often take some time out to visit other restaurants around the world, get experience cooking with different chefs and cooking different cuisines. So it's a very popular thing for, for chefs too. Um, but these students will get the opportunity, obviously, to have experience for a week in a top Michelin restaurant in Dublin and then the Irish student gets to spend a week in the kitchens of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Paris which again are sort of a Michelin star standard kitchen um, and very very famous and very highly regarded so really exciting prizes um, and then um, along with that the winners will get to enjoy um, a weekend of cultural gastronomy experience in both France and Ireland so again we'll be bringing the winning team from France to spend a weekend travelling around Ireland and um, we're hoping to have Fulcher Ireland involved and they'll get to experience the fabulous Irish gastronomy and we'll hopefully, from a dairy point of view, arrange some visits to some of the co-ops in Ireland. Um, maybe we'll bring them to Carberry and Cork where they make Dubliner cheese and show them the process of cheese making. So, so really exciting um, prizes. And then in turn, the Irish winning to get with Lyon in France, which is sort of um, this gastronomic uh, city in, in, in France, the most famous gastronomic region. So, um, the very exciting prizes, and we launched the competition this week on Monday in the French Embassy. We had a photo call with the judges, with Ross Lewis and Patrick Gilbo and the French ambassador. Um, and then the French Embassy did a really nice presentation all about Good France because it's a month-long cultural program that they'll be promoting French cuisine in Ireland um, across the month. So that's that competition. So it's really exciting. Get more information on our website, which is um, ndc.ie, www.ndc.ie, or on the French Embassy in Ireland website. So if you just Google French Embassy, you'll find details on their website on how to enter. This is a very exciting competition for 18 plus if you're you're yes. studying culinary arts because they're fantastic prizes, but it you know it gets the creative juices flowing as well, trying to come yes. up with a menu that features dairy in each of the courses. Dairy is so important to Ireland in terms of export locally as well on a local level. Um, yeah. The economic benefit that 
that industry has on yeah. the country. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, as you know, we just had a brilliant report out from Board BIA on the the excellent um, exports of food and drink export for Ireland in 2017. And I think it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, something like 4.3 billion in dairy exports from last year, which is something like an 8% rise. So, so you know, we're doing very well as an industry and I think it's our reputation for dairy excellence abroad um, that, that's, you know, really brought the success to the industry. We have incredibly high quality dairy produce in Ireland, which comes from the grass-fed pasture led um, process that we have in Ireland, which is where our cattle are out 360 days of the year grazing on green pastures. And that's what gives the beautiful taste and quality to our produce here. Um, and again, the French obviously themselves would have a very high um, reputation for their, their, their dairy produce. So I think the two countries have real celebration in that regard. Um, so uh, so yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to celebrate that. And the top chefs in Ireland are very much encouraging consumers to shop local, use local suppliers. So yeah. whenever it comes to dairy, we're not far away from a local dairy producer. Yeah, that's a really good point, Sharon. So, you know, when you're looking at sustainability nowadays, it's so important. And, we, you know, we want to be eating food that's local and hasn't travelled too far. So it's the whole idea of farm mm-hmm. to fork. But you can kind of source and be very clear on where the the um, origin is of your food. And, we're, we're, you know, we're very grateful we can do that for all our dairy produce in Ireland. None of it's imported. We have such a good product here. We don't need to import it. Um, we're very lucky in that essence. So we know where it comes from and it's generally local, which is a great thing to be able to celebrate. <clears throat> the role of the National Dairy Council then, it is your job then to raise the profile about the dairy production industry in Ireland. Yes, it is. Yeah, we work across a number of platforms. We So we basically, I suppose, in the most simplest essence, we promote and protect the dairy industry in Ireland and we promote and protect its reputation abroad. Um, and we work a lot on sort of the provenance side, so really working around Ireland's reputation for dairy produce. Um, but we also work across other platforms like um, research. We do a lot of work with some of the universities in Ireland around, you know, um, cutting-edge research around dairy and how it fits within the modern diet and within people's health. So that's something that we do regularly. We have one running with UL at the moment and with UCC. Um, so that's something that we do a lot on. So a lot of what we do is based on in sort of, um, I suppose, health and, and research. And we have two full-time nutritionists in our office that work um, full-time with us to sort of support that message. Um, so that's a lot of the work that we do. Um, and we are privately funded. I think a lot of people think we're public sector, actually a privately funded marketing agency and are funded by the co-ops in Ireland. So, you know, we're very much supported by the industry directly. So um, our members encompass all sort of representatives of the top co-ops in Ireland, like Lambia and Carberry, um, et cetera. So, so that's sort of what, what we do um, in essence. And your collaborations then, like this is a fantastic collaboration in terms of the competition with the Embassy of France in Ireland, but you're well known for collaborating with other organisations and individuals. Tell us about some of the other initiatives that you ran in 2017. Yeah, so um, as I just mentioned on the health side earlier, so apart from all the lovely food stuff we do, we do a huge amount on health and research, etc. So we have a really nice partnership at Kappa Hospital, um, which we launched actually last year. So Kappa is based in North Dublin and it's the National Orthopaedic Hospital um, for Ireland. So they're really experts in bone health um, and they have a sports injury clinic there where a lot of our leading sports stars have, have attended um, the clinic there. But really, I suppose, strategically, it's a very good partnership for us because, as you know, dairy produce 
is known to be excellent source of calcium and protein, which essentially supports bone health. So we work with them on strategic basis and we do a lot of really nice events. We had a, a an orthopedic clinical event last October that we held out at the hospital. We produced um, a booklet on bone health in October of last year, which, you know, is in tandem with, with, with CAPA. And we had a lot of information from their surgeons, from their experts there. Um, and then they worked, they were at with us actually at the National Ploughing Championship this year. So we had a whole stand for Kappa Hospital where, you know, visitors to the ploughing could come up and speak directly to surgeons about their bones, about osteoporosis, around any other concerns they might have. So that's one of the partnerships we have, which is really, really nice. We're doing some exciting work with them again this year. Um, we work a lot with sports people, um, which people are probably familiar with, a campaign called Powered by Jerry, which we had running the last three years um, with the Carney brothers, Rob and Dave Carney, who are kind of top international rugby players who actually come from a farming background themselves in County Loud. So we did a lot of work with them because dairy produce is known to be excellent milk in particular as a recovery drink after exercise. Um, so we do a lot around that whole. We have a relationship with Sports Ireland around the whole um, sports area and working with athletes um, to promote the value of, of milk um, in sports. So that's another partnership that we have, and we'll be doing a whole um, campaign with them again this year. Um, the other exciting thing we did last year, and we'll be doing a lot in 2018, is focusing on the millennial generation. So you might have seen, Sharon, we launched a big campaign called The Complete Natural um, in November of last year. Um, so we have a new website called thecompletenatural.ie, which people can go on to and visit. But really, the, I suppose the essence of this is trying to target the millennial generation who are between kind of 20 and 30 years in Ireland, men and women. And we know from our research that they're starting to um, avoid or limit in their diet um, for a number of different reasons. And we, we know a lot of it to do with food trends and fads, the whole sort of gluten-free, um, sugar-free thing that's come through really strongly in the last years. But they are beginning, we know from research, to limit, to avoid dairy, and it's due to maybe concerns over weight gain or over maybe skin issues, etc. Um, stuff that I suppose people think they should be avoiding, but they don't really understand why they're avoiding it. So we've done a lot of work in trying to explain simply why dairy is so important to people's diets and why it's important not to avoid it, particularly for young women, um, because for their bones and for their health, it's really important for calcium and protein that they continue to have dairy in their diet. So that's something we will be doing a huge amount still on this year. We're working with a lot of influencers um, because we feel that's where the generation of millennials are. They're all on social media. They're all on Instagram and Facebook. So we've done a lot of work really targeting that generation. We've continued to do that for the next two or three years because we think it's so important that we get this generation. So you've lots to do in 2018. We do. And you said before that you're funded by the industry. Do you have a huge team of people there in the office or are you quite a a small team? team? Not not at all, Sharon. We're a very small team. We do a lot of stuff. We're very... um, very small but very effective team. There's um, my, myself, there's two nutritionists full time, and then we have a team working on the school milk scheme, which is obviously the Department of Agriculture and EU funded. Um, and then there's myself and uh, two or three other people. We work a lot at agencies, so we have a lot of support from um, an ad agency and a, a media digital agency that, that help us with a lot of our campaigns. But yeah, we know we're a very small, very tight team. Um, but we do a lot of you know, really good, exciting campaigns. I think it works. You must tell me about the school milk scheme because I have very fond memories of being at primary school in Northern Ireland and coming in every morning and at break time having the little bottle of milk. I uh. loved that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we're we're in a bit of a change over phase with the school mill team at the moment. So we work very close to the Department of Agriculture and we've taken on the remit um, most recently of running that which used to be kind of run in essence by the Department of Agriculture. We've now taken that in-house and we're going to be managing that going forward. Um, so I know from September next year, we're looking at changing, we're looking at ways of changing the school milk scheme, the way it's delivered to schools. So that's ongoing in terms of maybe offering more than just milk, like offering young school kids, maybe yogurt and cheese and milk as an offering um, that, that's subsidized that goes into schools. So that's something that we're kind of working on this year, but it will be launched in autumn 2018. Um, so we have kind of added to our team in-house because we've now taken over the management of that into the Dairy Council, as I say, used to be Department of Ag-led. Um, so that's a big area for us moving forward. It will really grow legs sort of from autumn next, from autumn of this year. Um, and I think it's a really important thing and it sort of, I think, needs to be maybe freshened up a bit. It has sort of a, a sort of bad, bad memories for some people of sort of warm milk being served in schools and mugs and stuff. So we've tried to kind of get the idea of nice, fresh cartons of milk going into to, to young school kids um, and kind of revisiting that as, as a programme. So that's something that we, we do a huge amount of work on. Um, in the NDC. Yeah, I'm feeling very nostalgic now thinking about <laughs> that. So collaboration yeah. is hugely important for you. You're involved yeah. in lots of different initiatives with, with different yeah. bodies. And just to finish Absolutely. up then, to come back to the competition, the closing date is the, the 9th of February and the first step to enter is that they, they design their menu and do they do they put it online or how do they get their menu to you? Yeah, they can apply. So all the details are on the French Embassy website, but they can just apply with, through to an email, basically, with all their details um, with off the menu, and then it'll go through to us, and we'll obviously judge it as, as, as a panel. Um, and, and, you, and, you, and you kind of cut it down then and and have a more manageable number, and then, yeah, we'll, then they have to do a video. That's right, yeah. We want them to really tell, because, it's so, because social media is so important, and video is so important, and the whole visual piece, we're asking um, that the finalists, the finalist students, to put together a really short, very simple. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, like three-minute video, talking about the menu and why they've chosen it, and the ingredients they've used, etc. And that will form part of the judging process um, in terms of who we choose. So it'll be people we really think have utilised dairy in the best way and um, created really unique and interesting recipes that we think will excite. Um, so that's sort of a big part of of sort of application is the video. And then, and then after the video, you have how many people will come up to Dublin, and they have to they have to make a meal out of a mystery basket. So how many? It'll be, it'll be quite small. We probably bring it down to about maybe four teams of three or something from both sides, the four Irish teams and four French teams. Okay. So it'll be quite a small amount. Yeah, we'll we'll keep it because we'll be doing it as a cook off in DIT. So we don't, you know, we need it to be manageable. Um, and they'll cook. It depends. Like be in groups of maybe two or three people in each team. Um, and they'll attend and the cook-off and they'll be known as a cook-off in on the 21st of March. Fantastic. Well, it won't be long coming round the way the year is yeah. going so far. So um, <clears throat> very exciting now if you're over 18 and you're studying a culinary course at any of the institutes in Ireland or in France, definitely get applying. We'll be keeping an eye on how it's all going and thanks so much for telling us about it tonight, Cathy. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Sharon. Lovely speaking to you. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Thanks again to Cathy Curran, Communications Manager at the National Dairy Council, for details about that competition. 
I hope you enjoyed that along with tonight's other guests, Lizzie Lyons and Maya Bourgeois. Thanks to Lizzie and Maya for making me so welcome in their respective businesses. And of course, no show would be complete without thanking you for tuning in and listening. I'll be back at the same time next Tuesday. So until then, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.